0: You've got a lot of sausages and things that just come to their head and... and i it been away
1: again! Toby Flood! God's Go sake! He pulled my scrub cap off and he squirted water in my face and you're not allowed to do that! Tug oh. it off! So not you, top. What a yoga! <laughs> Welcome everyone to another episode of the Wayside Rugby Podcast, the podcast that no one asked for but you're going to get anyway. My name's Jack, I'm here with Adam and Tom. How are you getting on, Tom? I'm fine. How's your week been so far?
2: All right. It's been I okay.
1: You, I heard you had an absolute shocker the other day playing football.
2: This isn't a football podcast. <laughs> this is a rugby podcast. <laughs> so, you... yeah. If That's... anyone wants to
1: you managed to slip football in every chance you get so it is based, it is a football podcast so let's hear how you got on with football
2: we drew 1-1 one, one yesterday but i'm raging because we've got a a play, we've got two players on the team that whenever they play in goal they somehow manage to let in things that they should never ever let in and it's costing us lots and lots of points i could be unbeaten we should have won every game But for some reason, these guys just don't stop the ball. And it's really started to frustrate me.
1: How's your level? Because you were Mansfield Town. You played pretty high level as a kid, didn't you? Until your knees gave out, which stopped your football international career and your rugby international career. But how 10, 15 years on, playing in the north of Norway, how's that going for you? Are you the best player on the pitch or...? there's some decent talent up there
2: so there's a couple of good like young lads but you didn't mention I also stopped me uh playing at Wimbledon so I was pretty good at tennis as well but right, then yeah. you stopped me at Wimbledon as well so make sure you let add that one in but yeah uh no there's a couple of good players um I would be the like top player if I could run more than 10 minutes football <laughs> fitness is something else and I've lost it I'm playing rugby and watching rugby, and drinking. So, uh, and I'm I'm just injured. I just my ankle's gone. Got like a fire strain. Got everything on top of my knees. So I've got I've got loads of excuses as to why I'm rubbish. And then I got put on the wing, and they were expecting me to chase balls. And I was like trying to explain to him I don't chase the ball. I said don't kick it behind the fullback. I'm never going to beat him. I'm slow. Like I'm i like football. Like fasting football is different to fasting rugby. So. I'm definitely not fast in football.
1: Yeah, I watched the game of I watched Villa Warsaw, whatever they're called, League of Warsaw the other day, and I haven't watched a proper game of football for a while. And they just run for ninety minutes, like they just sprint for ninety minutes. It's mad. I was knackered hey, watching it.
2: I'm knackered after like I'm like gasping for oxygen after five minutes. I'm dying. I'm honestly I'm on my last legs, and I'm asking the ref how long's left, and it's like forty-three minutes of the half. I'm, like, are you joking? 43 minutes to go, plus stoppage time. I'm like, don't put any stoppage time on. <laughs> don't need that.
1: Right. But no, as you said, it is not a it is not a football podcast. It is a rugby podcast. So, Adam, you were playing rugby this weekend, last weekend. You've been playing rugby. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, good. Just uh, if anybody, hopefully people are still awake after that rubbish chat about Mansfield and high level. I just, it was just not... <laughs> It just doesn't go in the same sentence. But anyway, let's move it on to rugby. Yeah, mate, I'm uh, just getting over my, my sore body from the weekend. But yeah, um, feeling good, mate. Yeah, I think we've got a lot to discuss today. So I'm looking forward to having a chat with you boys as
1: always. We have indeed. So we've got obviously uh, the most recent round of the Norgays Cup action in the 15s, but and the World Cup obviously as well. But I think to start off with, we want to call out something really special actually and rugby league Norway are playing the Netherlands this weekend 30th away in the Netherlands I don't know someone probably correct me if I'm wrong but I can't I don't know when the last time the rugby league national team played together but they're going down to the Netherlands this weekend to play them I don't know if there's anywhere to watch it so please if you know of somewhere to watch it and you're listening just let let us know and we'll Put it out on the Instagram account because I think that'll be a really good game to watch. But the main news is Jamal and Sonny Meller. I hope I've said their na- their surnames right. I've played against both of them. Adam, you've played against Sonny. Tom, you've been on the sidelines shouting while you've seen both of them play. They are father and son duo, both play for Lillestrøm Lions, and they're both playing this weekend. I think it's Jamal's debut for Norway and Sonny is playing is the vice-captain, it's uh, an amazing achievement to be able to play with your, your son, not just at club rugby, but now at international level. I don't think there's many people in the world who can say that they've done that. And yeah, we're looking forward to seeing both of you go well, Sonny, big, chunky front rower and Jamal, a silky halfback. So have you boys got anything to say on, on that achievement by those two guys?
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously I've got a son, he's four and a half and you know, hopefully I'm still playing when he's old enough to play senior rugby, probably not, but anyway, I'll probably be in the front row by then. But I don't think you can underestimate how massive that must be and how proud you must be to be able to, to just do what you, you know, the game you love with the, the person you love most as well. I mean, that's just, it's, it's monumental. And it'd be interesting to to just give it a bit of a google search maybe tom you could do that while you're 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 switching off uh see if there's anybody in in the rugby community that's ever played for the Sun at international because it'd be interesting to see um if that's the first time it's ever happened or if it's happened before because uh, yeah but yeah wishing them all the best uh, we're rooting for our leaguey brothers hopefully they bring back the big w from uh, from Neverland. good on you, boys
1: tom Doing a bit of research.
2: Yeah, I've just Googled it and it turns out it's the first time ever. You haven't just Googled it, have you? You just made that up. Hey, mate, who's going to correct me? <laughs> if if is listening, Glynn likes his facts, you can check it and then post it on the Facebook group, whether or oh, not it's happened before. But yeah, I'm correct. going to go out there and say it's the first time ever. I reckon it could be. For rugby league anyway. Have you, I think
1: there was a Union player, I think he played for Scarlets, a uh, Kiwi guy, and I think he played with his son in a Scarlets game, but yeah, I mean, seriously, seriously impressive, and we hope both of them go well. I have a fun, The first time I played against those two, I was severely, severely hungover, I was so hungover, and I thought I was going to be on the bench, and they said, yeah, Jack, you started, mate, in the second row. In league, which was like, I just needed to truck it up every time. And I went, You're joking, aren't you? They're like, No, 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 you're starting. So I played in this game. And first time I saw, I'd heard about Sonny, his big Australian guy who you don't get in the way of, and his kid, who was this up and coming, flashy halfback. And we played, we were playing well against them actually for the Capitals. And ball came out of a scrum, and I hit Sonny. No, I hit Jamal and he dropped the ball. And I thought, oh yeah, go on then. And I got a big rap by the team. That was my first game for the Capitals as well. I got a big rap by the team. They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice one, mate. Nice one. And then five minutes later, they've got the ball again. Sonny gets the ball. And in league, you've got 15 metres to run at each other. So Sonny gets the ball and he starts running. And I sprint up to try and get him. And he looks me in the eyes and he changes his direction. And starts running at me. And I went, oh, God. And I went down to tackle him. And he just has his arms crossed. He's got the ball. He has his arms crossed. And he just goes, get fucked. And just tramples over the top of me, like stamps all over me and just sprints off. And I get up gingerly and I look up and he's gone. And I thought, oh, for fuck's sake, I should not have done that. But um, he was a good lad afterwards. So, yeah, I wish them all the best. I hope they... Hope Sonny could do that to some some Dutch people and what he did to me. We're looking forward to that game. But Jack, that's how we first met,
0: wasn't it? Very similar situation.
1: No, we first met because I had to <laughs> I had to bail Tom out of um, I had to bail Tom out of trying to tackle you when we were playing you and Tom was playing 10. And you, I think wow. you went from the back row to 12. Yeah. You're a few kilos heavier back then, I think. Yeah. And I remember some bloke shouting, keep it to zero, keep it to zero. And I want 50, (laughs) I want 50. And no, I was playing nine, so I was well out of your way. Uh, And then, yeah, in the national team game, you kept running at Matthias, so I didn't have to tackle you, so that was fun.
0: But um, I've just done a quick Google search, actually, and it seems like there's been Father Son combinations in professional rugby, but not international. Uh, And I think the last time it happened at international level wasn't wasn't for rugby, it was for... Uh, wheelchair basketball so I think it is an exclusive first time that that's ever happened in, in rugby and in any of the codes uh, yeah
2: so fucking good good effort didn't need to google it then didn't need to google it I was right
1: you're right Tom you're the oracle
2: yeah right
1: so yeah if you can 30th September that's this Saturday Norway Rugby League versus Netherlands if we can find out where it's on, if we can watch it, we'll we'll put it up on Instagram and see. Hopefully, we can get a good stream on and hopefully, yeah, the boys will get the win. And the father-son duo will do, do their family and their country proud. But there was also some more rugby this weekend. Stavanger went up to Trondheim and the mighty Blinden went up to Bergen. Adam, should we start with you? You played in that game, you were a skipper in the team. How did how did Stavanger go against Trondheim?
0: Yeah, um, so yeah, for us, it was a pretty bad day at the office. We travelled with uh, 16 players, uh, our bench consisting of your best friend, Tom Glynn. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I've just sent a message to uh, Connor, the, the captain of Trondheim, and give him a bre- breakdown of like you know how impressed we were. I think we can't take anything away from Trondheim Trondheim were' absolutely brilliant on the day uh, it was a, it was a, we played an Astroturf uh, it was a sunny day it was hot um and it played a lot to their strengths there you can tell that those guys have been doing a lot of sevens uh, they were playing it a, out wide quite a lot um Stevie from for, for Trondheim I've been saying this for, for for months now is is probably playing the best rugby he's ever played like he was just phenomenal. Uh, step on him and he was making some really good runs uh he scored a try in the last sort of 10 minutes where i think he stepped the whole of our team um he did absolutely fantastic they've had some trying to i think they've done good recruiting they've had quite a few frenchies come in and some aussies and uh they were so up for it Uh, and credit to them hat off to them um i think what, what what you know what killed us was the fact that we we had uh, our front five are all front rowers, basically. Uh, no bench on a hot day. I'm not making excuses because, like I said, I don't want to take anything away from Trondheim. Um, I've always said for years, like, the, the, for, for, for Norwegian rugby to survive, Trondheim needs to be strong. Uh, well, all the five teams need to be strong. And um, I think they, they proved on Saturday that they're up there. Um, and we were completely shell-shocked at how they came out the, out the blocks. There Was some good rugby played on both teams. Uh it was well refereed. It was a really good game of rugby. And um, we all had a, a good a good night watching international rugby after. Um but yeah, it's back to the drawing board for us. Um just trying to see how many cliches I can get in here. <laughs> um but yeah, it was it was it was it was played in very good spirits. Um, but I think on the day um they they, they kept it away from our pack. We tried to strong arm them in the second half by keeping it in because we were it was so just so those who don't know they went 10-0 up at half time at half time we decided we're just going to keep it in the forwards and uh when we did that within sort of 15 minutes we were 11 10 up and we just couldn't hold on uh they got it wide they were quicker to the breakdowns than us uh managed to exploit us on the wings and um yeah they got the got the points that they needed and uh massive credit to him mate and honestly it was uh very impressive performance, and it's it's completely opened the the whole the whole uh, tournament up now. Uh, the whole championship uh, is completely up, up for grabs now.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you said, Steve, Steve did us last year basically on his own at the end of the game, which really that was our first game of the season. And <clears throat> if he hadn't done that, I think we would have done a lot. We might have got to the final, or we might have. Go to the final if you boys hadn't have, if you, we'd have made you boys turn up maybe to, to get to the final. Um, mm. so yeah, they're classy, class lads as well. Good place to go. Um, mm. the pitch is massive, it's so wide, isn't it? That pitch,
0: yeah, yeah, really and it's hard, it hurts the knees and the legs and everything when you go on. Um, I mean, like, like I said, I mean, there was some really good performances from Troll Mind, but you know, some, some gutsy performances pointing from Stavanger as well. Uh, I hate to say this, but, um, Glyn actually got man of the match for us. He came on it like just before (laughs) half time. Uh, And I think all of his frustrations, Tom, you'll probably relate to this, but like being a coach, just thinking he's got the frustration of standing on the, on the sideline of being like, Oh, if I was there, this is what I do. And he'd always says that. And then he came on and he actually backed his bullshit up. So fair play to him. Um, He was, uh, he scored, he scored a try for us when he came on and he was just an absolute Aggie, Aggie. So-and-so when he, when he was running at people and, uh, made a big difference.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably one of the key differences between me and Glenn is that he backs up his bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Tom does it in reverse. So Tom will play the
1: first bit, play shite, and then he'll come off and then he'll tell everyone else how to play after that. So he does yeah. the reverse of what Glenn does.
0: Yeah, well, credit to him. I mean, the, the most annoying thing about Glenn is that he's always been a good player. and But he'll let you know. So when he does something good in a game, that's all you hear about on the after social. So I think what we did is he's done reverse psychology. So he wasn't mentioning anything and he wasn't saying anything because we're all like, Oh God, here we go. We're not going to hear the end of that. But by the end of this night, he's he's got to keep going on and on. Well, fair play to him. He took it in his stride. I think secretly he was just like really happy with his own performance, even though we lost. (laughs) Well, that's that's Glenn for you at the end of the day. But uh,
1: yeah, we, we,
0: we, you know, uh, win or tears, we were still on the beers, so it was. Uh, it was, we still had a good night with the Toronto boys, so yeah. good
1: stuff. Would you rather because that was your first loss of the season, wasn't it, Jonesy? Yeah, yeah, would you rather play the house down, get man of the match, and lose, or play like shite and win? I think I know uh, what Tom's answer would be.
0: Uh yeah i mean an arrogant part of me would say if i played shite, the team's not going to win but <laughs> <laughs> um no I, I think i think play shy and the and the team win because at the end of the day you know no one remembers the little bits that went on when you when you had to win everyone everyone looks everything with, with rose rose tinted glasses if you make a knock on or you miss a try when you lose then people will always remember that but if you do that and you've actually won everyone forgets it so i'd, I'd go with the, the as long as the unit win yeah what, what about you Tom what would you
2: say man of the match <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just for the free jug no just to know that I was man of the match Just he still, uh,
1: he, he still goes on about his man of the match from the first ever Bergen game where we turned up with like 12 people we've been playing we basically played touch rugby against Bergen and they monstered us and Tom still goes on about the fact that he was man of the match in that game
2: yep The thing was, they voted me man of the match, but Blinden didn't vote me man of the match and that still (laughs) pisses me off.
1: (laughs) Good. No, but that's, uh, yeah. Well, we'll come on to the next game and, and we'll come on to the league in a bit. But the other game this weekend was Blinden doing their third of three away games in a row in consecutive weekends, went up to Bergen. And as you said, Adam, Bergen have really, really improved this year. And they... 100%. Got a match report here from Ben who who's coaching slash playing up there, and we it's kind of similar thing that we had, where we had our front five was basically all front rowers. Our best front rower had had COVID, so had only just recovered. That was Tora. He just recovered, but managed to make it up there, which is which is a great achievement from him. Like really good, uh, what's the word? Dedication from from Tora there. So yeah, we just. Burnt out, I think the Bergen boys. Ben said the main problem was the problem we've had so far this season, which was a numbers, b fitness, and c finishing. Our opportunities off when we got in there twenty-two. Apparently, we had some good field position, but we just couldn't get any points on the board. And Bergen in the second half, they've got some big, they've got some big units, like you said, Adam. They've come on leaps and bounds this year, and they've their big units made meters. And then they started to find space out wide when we got tired. So yeah, they had a couple of scores from just missed tackles and and that's blind and season done. Unfortunately, Mike Pride also got injured in that game, which is which is a real shame. It's quite funny the way it happened because Andre, our our big prop, just fell on top of him, which I think is the only way that Andre is ever going to injure anyone. <laughs> it's by just falling on someone in a ruck, but you know, Mike. My curtain shoulder, so we wish him all the best as well, and hopefully he can get back.
0: Yeah, mate. But when yeah. I when I when I saw that team sheet and I saw the first the the, the first three names, I think it was Teddy, Matt, Kid, uh, and uh, Mike Pride. I was thinking, oh my god, that has got to be the biggest front row in Scandinavia, let alone Norway. It's that's yeah. just massive, just yeah, massive. But they- I was thinking, you boys are in for a bit of a shot there because
1: those lads can go as well. Well, yeah, I mean, Bergen, they've always been good in the scrum, haven't they? But apparently they just monster us in the scrum all day. And when you know that if you drop it in their 22, they're just going to beast you, that you can't drop the ball ever. So it's, yeah, it was a tough old day.
0: Yeah, I mean, I said I said this from, from the start, I think, before the 15s kicked off. Like, I knew that there's not going to be such thing as an easy game this year. And, and, and there hasn't been. And you can see with the results, how they're going. Um, it's basically, you know, who wants it on the day. And, and I think that obviously the away game the away games put a put put uh, bit of a deciding factor on that. But um, yeah, because I think as it stands at the moment, like there could be any combination of four teams in the finals now. Um, ourselves, Sargent, Trondheim and Bergen could all mathematically make the final at the moment. So the deciding game is going to be a week before the final. Uh, so, everyone, everything.
1: you guys have played 4-1-3. Yeah. What point, how many points are you on?
0: So, we're on 13 because uh, we didn't get a bonus point from the cancelled game. Um, I believe Sargon are on nine. Not,
1: not bitter about that, are you, at all, mate?
0: No, nah, mate. I th- well, we, we've chatted about this offline. I'm not going to go into it too much. <laughs> uh, I've, I've said my piece. Um, no. trying to... Fish. I mean, <laughs> uh, no, I, I still think if you get, if if there's a forfeit in the game, you should get an automatic bonus point because it doesn't make any sense. You get forty points, which if you got forty points in the game, you get a bonus point. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. It, it is it. But anyway, as it stands, I believe if um, I think it's Sargona versus Bergen next, so Sargona need to win against Bergen if Trondheim win. But if so, if Trondheim win one more game. And they've got Bergen a week before the final. So if Trondheim win their game, they're automatically in the final. If um, Bergen have to win their both next games to be in the final, and Sargoner have to beat Bergen, uh, Bergen by 31 points to pip us into the final. Right. So, okay. But then again, there's a lot of other things. If if Trondheim lose, for example, then it goes down to points difference with, with Sargoner. Yeah, so it's it's all up in the air. I think we'll know a bit more after the next game, Bergen and Sargoner will be a good indication, but mathematically it could go up to the week before the final is going to be in it. But we've, we've, we've said that we're just going to book flights anyway, because there's a third and fourth player place playoff on the same day anyway. So there's got to be a game of rugby on that day, no matter what. So, right. but it's, it's good for the tournament, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's all to play for.
1: Yeah. I mean, every game counts now, doesn't it? Seriously, mm. every game counts. So, you know, technically we've, been the worst team in, in the competition but Blinden propping up the table has made has made it really exciting for everyone else so you're welcome you're welcome boys you welcome Norway uh
0: yeah, yeah yeah thanks thanks Blinden from the on behalf <laughs> of the whole of the rugby community nah nah but nah, I say that with I say that with uh bated breath at the end of the day mate you, you we've we've said it before you, you've been screwed over by the the the, the fixture list but um Next year's going to be tasty, if ever, if this year is by anything, anything to go by. Obviously, it's a four-horse race out of five now. Uh, but next year, if we can get the fixtures a bit more even, then it's going to be a five-horse race, which is even more
1: exciting. Next year's so, going to be great, yeah. And yeah. a bit of news now as well from down south is Christian Sound Rugby Club has been officially approved by the NRF. Yeehaw. So Yeah, we are a proper rugby club now so we'll be coming for you we'll be coming for you next year
0: are you going to be playing league or union
1: i think we're going to start off with sevens sevens yeah happy days and then uh we'll just try and see if we can get a few kind of warm-up not warm-up games but sort of friendly games exhibition games going yeah maybe with you boys maybe with San, you know sand Nest, whatever we can do to just play rugby really yeah and yeah we've got a game coming up next weekend in horton so I think it's Horton and some Oslo players playing against us. So I don't know if it's going to be 15-15, 10 on ten-on-ten, whatever it is. But yeah, we're going to have a game up there. But no, Christian Sand's officially joined joined the league. Which people I've talked to about it who've been in Norwegian rugby for a bit longer think that that's you know Christian Sand should be. It's the fifth biggest city in Norway. Should have a rugby team. So yeah, we're we're chuffed down here about that and. And I guess I won't be blender anymore. So I'm now fully fledged Christian Sand. So we'll be coming for we'll be coming for all of you next year. Watch out!
0: Uh, good on you, mate. I reckon we should uh, we should all try and make an effort uh, to get to this uh, NM's touch in
1: in in January. Have you heard about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was one of the other things that we were looking at. We were looking at doing so because I think it could be a good like season get
0: together. Get the whole community together. It's the thirteenth of January. So it's right at the start before we start pre-season or anything for seven. Yeah, awesome. I think yeah. that'd be really cool. Just get up there, do some camping, get a hutter or something. Um, Mike Pride always puts on a good show when Mike Pride and Matthew Shaw, they they always put on a good show up there. So uh, yeah, could that could be really good fun? We should we, we'll we'll plug that a bit more closer to the time, I think.
1: Yeah, we will, yeah. And I think Christian Sand as well, we were discussing maybe trying to get some sand rugby down here. Nice in the summer, in between maybe the sevens and the fifteen stuff. I think that would be a good that'd be a good day in the summer somewhere. So if people yeah. are keen for that, if there's appetite for a bit of sand rugby and maybe, you know, camping out on the beach or whatever, be, be class to, to have the Norwegian rugby come down here and, and do stuff for us. Yeah, mate. So yeah, well excited. A lot of people, a lot of people who work really hard to try and get us through. So yeah, we're chuffed, we're chuffed down here.
0: Nah, good on you, mate. Cause it's, it's not an easy thing to do, especially starting it from, str- from scratch. And, uh, But like all, it takes is is you know a a small spark or a catalyst to make it happen. And obviously, I know you've been part of that as well, Jack. And there's some good people around you. So, uh, whatever support you need from us, we're only three hours down the road. So, uh, let's get some training sessions together. You know, you're always welcome to come up here. Maybe, yeah, I'll take it offline with you. But I've got some ideas what we could do. But um, it's great to have another team in the mix. Awesome. Yeah,
1: and I I can't take any. I'd like to take some credit, but I can't take any credit. I just turned up and and drink beers with people. But no, it's Biat and, and Murray have done have done a ridiculous amount of work, so many emails back and forth. So yeah, they know how hard it is to try and get something up and running. So just wanted to say a big shout out to those two because it's really, really impressive what they've done. And if there's anyone else I've missed out on, apologise, big shout out to them as well. Awesome.
2: So I've just had an idea to float about uh because you're going down towards though anyway for the third and fourth playoff item like either way it's either a final or it's a third and fourth why don't we have semi-finals and then final so one plays like four third in the league and then second place, fourth in the league or like like they do in like premiership rugby because that'd so be an extra game two weekends in a row though then isn't it like i'm a little like i understand the two weekend in, weekends in a row thing from a travel point of view i don't understand it from a playing point of view like if you played rugby in england you play week in week out yeah so and if you're playing in a semi-final only two teams have to do it week like scrap the third and fourth just have semi-finals and final and then teams would probably be like willing to do that and then like because then the best players get the chance to play again you go and you wouldn't have both in oslo say like you could have Bergen semi-finals weekend for four teams in the same place is pretty cool Mm. but 60 men like I'm sure we'd be able to get a deal on something quite cheap and then the final maybe two weeks after that somewhere else and then that can be announced that maybe the highest ranked team plays at home so only one team has to travel
0: yeah unfortunately our future fixture committee guy is not on the pod today he would have been probably better off for answering that but um now, there's, I mean, there's obviously lots of different formats you can use and stuff and it's just this one we have to go with, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I understand what you're saying. It could be a lot more exciting for the, uh, um, for the tournament in itself, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. We just, we'll, we'll, we'll go there and it'd be, it, I still think it'd be quite nice to have like, you know, four teams in one place. So the rugby It'd be a good night, um, get everyone together. It's always, it's always good to bring everyone together on one day as well. It makes a bit more of an atmosphere, but um yeah, let's see what
1: happens in the future, right? Eh? There are a place in the middle that everyone is sort of four or five hours away from driving, apart from maybe Trondheim. Trondheim, are well, far away. But if you could all meet, rather than everyone going to Oslo all the time or going to Stavanger or Bergen, people could meet somewhere in the middle, so it's everyone can get there a bit easier. Are you plugging Kristiansand right now? <laughs> no, I mean no. Christian stands miles away. Christian stands yeah. well far away from Bergen. No, I meant right. like in the middle. I don't know if there's any, but that's like in the mountains, isn't it? I don't know. And they probably wouldn't have a rugby pitch either, so ignore that, shite idea. But yeah,
0: yeah, we'll just ignore that. Move on.
1: Yeah, right. So really exciting times coming up in the in Norwegian rugby. Then We've got rugby league game this weekend, international rugby league, and then the last few rounds of the. Norwegian League are going to be tasty. So, we will be there and watching out for who who does what and we'll we'll bring that to you guys every week, hopefully. Right.
0: We've also got got a national team camp this weekend as well, so hopefully the, the, the national team
1: guys will get together and hopefully try and watch the rugby league as well. That'd be good. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Talking about national team camp, we didn't get onto it last week and our Good friend, Richie White, national team coach who we've had on the pod before, had some fired some shots at Tom after the after the game against Trondheim where we got done. Oh, here we go. He's rubbing his hands together now. After the game against Trondheim where we got... The match report said we got done fitness-wise. So we were in the game for 60 minutes and then they pulled away at the end because we didn't have any fitness. Richie then said on social media, is that because... Tom, the old head coach, doesn't train fitness. He bangs on about not having fitness, no fitness, no fitness, talent, talent, talent. And we've been banged in games because we don't, we're don't, we not fit enough. Now we're given the t- chance for Tom to respond to that.
2: All right. So there is one theory where he is right, and it is fitness. I can like, understand that like fitness plays a role there. However, it's a rugby match, there's so many different things that could have been like, in place, like tactics, players learn during the game, and also fitness. As an aggregate team, if you have 23 players against a team of 17 players, that team's always... The 23, 23-man squad's probably going to be fitter anyway because they can bring on replacements, so... I think it's like that the reasonable answer I can give is that fitness could have played a role, but so could many other things. It's multifactorial.
1: What's the unreasonable answer?
2: He's wrong. (laughs) No, no. But like how fit, if we were really, really fit when I was head coach and then we have the summer off, not really anything I can do about that is it like people are going to go out on a holiday drink all right so
1: you're you're blaming you're saying because you packed it in halfway through the season that it's not your fault anymore that they're not fit enough
2: yeah I'm saying that players need to take responsibility for their own fitness over the the July summer holidays and I know a lot of the guys from Linnan and I know for a fact they wouldn't have been doing it three of them might but the rest of them wouldn't
1: (laughs) right nice Nice to know that Tom throws his old team under the bus at the first opportunity he gets. Good lads. Loving it. I
2: blame the players.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. That was a good, good riposte there. Well, I mean, the 23 versus 17 squad thing, that's like we've brought up before. Adam, you said you had the idea of you have as many subs as you want, and it doesn't matter how many players you got on the bench, you can still sub on and sub off as many times as you want. I float the idea of having smaller squads just to have it a bit more even. But yeah, I think that's another thing that maybe the Max Fixture Committee or the NRF can have a look at to try and even up the away games versus home the home team advantage for these games because it seems to be, especially this year, it seemed quite quite a big difference between the home teams and the away teams in, in the Norwegian rugby.
2: I think that eight changes is probably the cleverest way to go i would be for i the thing i'm like hesitant about the eight changes is if it's a blood injury or is it a concussion and then whoever's having to be like the match committee they just lose track of it straight away and then suddenly there's no one has a clue how many changes have actually been used so that's why i'd be in favor of just you can change as much as you want because the rule is simple so i'd be in favor of like just trying to change this roll on roll off Don't stop the game for it though, roll on, roll off and you can do it as much as you like, because it's such a simple and easily enforced rule for our level. If we had like proper rules that everyone understood, the eight changes would be the best one. The thing is, I just feel like that's so easy to like exploit, like they've done eight changes, but they've done nine because he came off with an injury. But was it really an injury? We don't have a doctor there. We don't have anyone who can like officially decide. And I can see that one getting exploited. And after like 55 minutes, if one team thinks the other team's exploiting that, then it becomes an absolute nightmare because there's all sorts of arguing, like some volunteer from the NRF who's having to be the match commissioner. has a nightmare working out what's going on. I don't like your like reducing the squad size, Jack, because then you punish the home team. Like it's not their fault. They've got 23 players available. Like That should be encouraged. It's the away team that's at fault there. That makes sense. That might not be through their own, like they might not want to be at fault, but they are at fault. They have 23, they can use up to 23 players, they've only brought 17. That's their away team's problem. So, I think like the eight changes or just roll on, roll off for simplicity is where I'd go.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you, Tom, which is becoming more and more of an often thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's. Yeah, I've got nothing else to add. I think I totally agree. But also as well, if you are a home team and you've reduced the squads and you've got 23 available, you've got to then tell five players that they can't play. So that's another negative for it as well, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Oh, sorry. Does that any...
1: make you, does that make training more, if you know you've only got 18 spots, does that make training more competitive? Does that mean that it feels more like a rugby team where the level is a bit higher? If you if you're going to have to drop people because we haven't had to drop that many people as a, as a blind team we've dropped people a, f- a few times for like the Sargonay game or whatever or mm. people who haven't made the squad but it's not a regular occurrence to be honest in Norwegian rugby it seems well, we we have
0: it with home we with home games we have it that we we, we struggle to get everybody that's available in the twenty three mm. so we end up having like reserves and then if anyone does come over here and they're shorter players we always give those guys who are on reserves to the other team um so yeah but i I think like like what son said i think the uh eight subs uh in total no matter how many you've got on the bench uh could be a could be a good it might be worth just testing it out test it out in an east west game or something like that see how it goes
1: yeah i mean we're gonna have to none of these things are gonna be perfect are they and you're gonna have to you know even with the scheduling and everything it's gonna be it's gonna be learned by doing really isn't it so we'll see how that goes right Let's move on to some international rugby. The World Cup round, was it the third round? Fourth round? No, third round. Happened this week, doesn't matter. Some some one-sided games and then some not-so-one-sided games. Let's start with the biggest game of the round, South Africa, Ireland. Ireland, victorious 13-8 in one of the most brutal games I think I've ever seen. Although i watched it in a nightclub we can come on to that later but how did you guys how did you guys react to this game where did you watch it firstly
0: we watched it in the three lines uh, so my my uh, my memory is a bit hazy we'd had a three hour long court session after the game which uh, didn't end very well for me um but yeah from what i what i had to watch the highlights the next day to me just to see what went on but uh, I, I for me i think that could be a very tasty final both of those teams just absolutely phenomenal absolutely phenomenal i mean if there's one good um you know exhibition game of rugby that that was it for the world cup so far i think it was just unbelievable like the standard was just like up there i mean that you, you, you could liken that with sort of like a state of origin in rugby league you know mm. where the, the best players are playing at the top of their game it was just, uh, it had a bit of everything, didn't it? It was just, it was just great. They, just monstered,
1: think, they just monstered each other, didn't they? For the oh. whole game. They just monstered each
0: other. Oh, ridiculous. What do you think,
2: Tom? Me? I, I totally agree. I just thought it was an awesome game. I thought it was. I think it's the first time at the World Cup where I've, thought I've watched, like, genuine elite sport.
1: Yeah.
2: Like, for me, that is elite sport, like, how hard it was for each team to like score a try because you make a line break, but then there's a cover tackle and then the defense is set ready to like tackle again, like South Africa just broke the line. So often but <coughs> Ireland just stopped them and like kept it, stopped them scoring. And then yeah, I thought it was just a brilliant game. Uh, there's so much like you could talk about from that game as well. Like was... South Africa with the seven one split. Thought it was. I thought it. I thought that actually worked. What didn't work was the kick in, like, there they lack a place kicker. Like, was it 11 points or something they missed for, from yeah. like quite a opportunities?
1: A couple but of them were if- tough, but yeah, they missed, they left a lot of points out on the, on the pitch.
2: But then, like, how would Ireland have adapted if they'd have been put under even more like pressure to score points themselves? Like, I didn't feel like Ireland took like a superb amount of risk to win the game I didn't feel like they weren't comfortable but I weren't didn't think they were taking like I didn't think they were chasing the line break in the same way that South Africa were chasing the line break if that makes sense they were much more happy to like just control the ball and stop yeah. South Africa having the ball rather than we actually were desperate to score here it felt a bit like watching Barcelona football again possession football it felt a bit like watching possession football at times it's like i don't actually understand how they're going to score here and other teams i think would have kicked the ball away whereas ireland seemed much more content just just to give it to a runner and they'll just run it in another ruck another ruck another ruck but what i thought was really interesting about this weekend is the inside centers I thought they were fascinating because bundiaki was unbelievably good he's been Day. yeah Dielende was unbelievably good Nick Tompkins for Wales, unbelievably good. I don't quite remember who was playing inside centre for Australia, but did nothing.
1: Karevi. Karevi was okay. But yeah, Adam, as as Norway's Premier 12, Hmm. how did you rate? I mean, I think that's the best I've ever seen Bundyaki play. I thought he was ridiculous. And it's the best I've seen an inside centre play for a long time. How did you feel Bundyaki and Damien Dialende went? Because that was a titanic battle, that was.
0: Oh mate, just massive, absolutely massive. Um, like I say, I mean, I only watched the highlight. I only remember the highlights from Sunday being quite hungover. So. <laughs> but, um, no, but but I've been I've been watching Bundyaki closely over over the last few games, and, and that's why I've had him in my fantasy team because he just makes so many meters, and he's just he's just a powerhouse. You know, he's he's absolutely unreal. If if you can model, his, it, personally, I'd love to model myself on him, but. Um, what what i found what was quite interesting about this was the difference between the coaches certain coaches and then what um uh, farrell was saying before the game and they had that little giggle him and Sexton when they did that conference did you see that where they were like oh they asked him if they got anything in their a bag of tricks against south africa basically like oh are you, how are you going to beat south africa they're so strong and he basically just laughed and said yeah we got loads, we got loads of tricks yeah don't don't you worry about it As in basically saying now nah, we have got this game and he went through with it but on the flip side, then you've got Eddie Jones. <laughs> yeah, mate, we're definitely going to win Sunday. We're definitely going to win Sunday. And then 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 the complete opposite happened. But um, well, no, I, I think I think uh, yeah, it's uh a, 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 that 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 Bundyaki is probably at the top of the game when it comes to a twelve at the moment. He's the thir- Bundyaki's
1: thirty three, and he's peaked. He's peaking now, isn't he? He's the best he's ever been now, but he's been maybe the last 2 years he's been he's been awesome. So it's not too late. It's not too no. late. These boys are playing later and later and being better and better later and later. Yeah. So it's unbelievable to see. They must take such good care of themselves.
2: Yeah, I bet they do. <laughs> I, looked,
1: I, looked, I looked at the stat I looked at the
0: stats he's 178 centimeters and 102 kilos which incidentally is exactly the same stats as me but he looks a lot better with it um but yeah no, but I think I think like the older you get the you, you start to you start to read the game a bit better I think and you you when you're younger and you you know you're like early 20s or mid 20s you run for everything you go for everything and you you, you might run out of steam or you just keep going and you just you know but I think once you get a little bit older and a bit more experienced, you start you know when the juice is worth the squeeze sort of thing. You know when to when there's going to be a gap, when to hit that line. You also know you're a bit more confident with yourself. Like, this is what I offer to the team. This is what I'm good at. So this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to focus on. Whereas whereas when you're a bit younger, you just kind of just want to be known and you want to just get your hands on the ball no matter what. So um, the fact that they're getting older and, you know, the conditioning is a lot better nowadays with the science around it. I don't think it's any surprise that these these players can play longer than, uh, than 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 previously, but yeah, Bundyaki, for me one of the best players in the world at the moment in terms of centers.
1: What is a bit of a surprise is that Johnny Sexton limps, plays what four games a year, limps around, gets just smashed every chance he can, and he's thirty eight and he's still going, and he's mm. still winning games for Ireland. What is he made out of?
0: Potatoes. <laughs> Tom? Yeah. Don't. If we no had that idea. answer, if we had that answer, we wouldn't be sitting on this pod, mate.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> he's he's a psycho, any Johnny Sexton. There's some absolute psychos in that island team, aren't there? The cockroach, yeah. Peter Amani, psycho. Johnny Sexton's an absolute he must be a psycho. There's no way you do that to yourself at 38 years old and just not be, have a screw loose.
0: Yeah, totally agree.
1: Um, I've got one question to Tom, you're a back three expert. One guy I've never understood, but who is absolutely unreal, and I don't know why he's so good at rugby, is Mack Hansen. Why is Mac Hansen so good at rugby? Because he's not massive, he's not that quick, His feet are okay. He's not, like, particularly amazing at anything, but he just seems to just be unreal. What's going on?
2: Uh, Mack Hansen. uh, I don't really know, to be honest. I think he's just cleverer than other players. He's right place, right time. So it might be the reading the game thing. He's just right place, right time for me, like, like on line breaks, when South Africa broke the line and they're going through and like someone makes a cover tackle, you'll probably find Mac Hansen in the rook, slowing yeah. that ball down or turning it over. He He's he's like a link man, if that makes sense. He's, he, he can finish from like five meters out, but I wouldn't say like his finishing is an extreme skill. Like you would have to create a chance for him to finish. He's not like a Cheslin Colby where you can like give him the ball and he'll finish when he's got three men in front of him. You'd have to create a chance for him to finish. But I think he's just a link man. Like, he keeps the attack flowing. When someone's getting, like, someone gets an offload, it'll probably be Mark Hansen who catches it and then passes it on to someone else. He's that kind of like link player I see, like, in attack. But all islands are so skillful like that. They Their attacks, when, because of like how they set up, they always have options, but none of the options are actually that difficult to hit. Does that make sense? So like yeah. England like a structure but that, like, the, the last pass will be like 50 metres and then we'll fluff it. Whereas I feel like Ireland it's like it's, Ireland like, like like I said earlier I just think it's like a, it's like a possession based ticky taka rugby even though it's incredibly violent but it is that kind of like
1: yeah.
2: they don't run that hard. Like I look at the forwards when they carry I think you're not actually running that hard. Mm-hmm. You just sort of a bit like what Duncan says it oh, it's like agility before contact. They sort of like take it quite slow and then just take the hit go down place it we'll keep possession we won't tire ourselves out too much in possession none of our they'll have four or five players that are just past the ball to each other there's not really none of the passes are wild if that makes sense Like Mm. they don't send like a 20 meter long pass that often lots of their passes are safe and they just link really well together it's probably some clever structure that Andy Farrell's got going, but that's what I meant when I said, I think like a lot, they don't seem to take risks. They don't seem to risk anything when they attack or at all. Like a lot of their passes that make line breaks are quite short. They're like five meters and under. And I think if you have uh, I think Mike, Mike Hansen's probably just, just a link player just gets in the right place at the right time, just keeps the attack flowing. And that's really valuable if you've got, if that's what you want from a, a winger. Because he's very active, like you always hear his name on commentary. Mm. Compared to like Johnny May, you never hear Johnny May's name in open play. It's sort of like, on oh, Johnny May's finished, or Johnny May's just run down and gone into touch. Whereas Mac Hansen, it's more like Hansen. is in a rock, He's made a tackle. He's passed the ball. He's passed the ball again. He's just very effective. He's just all he's just there constantly.
0: Yeah. There was a part before you started talking. I was hoping you were going to say his mentality, but you didn't. But it's all good. Um, <laughs> but no, I I think I think. Uh, Looking at this Ireland team, though, it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, England back in 2003 when we won the World Cup in the way that the team seems to know, everybody seems to, to have gelled. They're all at the top of their game. Like back in 2003, we had like likes of Johnny Wilkinson, Jason Robinson, um, you know, uh, Lawrence Delalio, Martin Johnson. They were all at the top of their game and they'd all played together for such, such a long time and they had a structure which they all believed in. And I think that that that, that belief is coming through because they, they, they've obviously got a coach which has just made them all come together and put them all in the right places. Like you said, you can't really put your finger on it being one person being exceptional, possibly Sexton, because he is a bit of a wizard. But if he, he wouldn't look so good if people weren't offering those lines for him or they weren't available to give him that ball. Mack Hansen wouldn't look so good if he wasn't being given the ball in opportunities or put himself in those opportunities. You know what I mean? So it's, I think it's just the I hate to say it because I really don't like it when Ireland win, but um, they are looking like a very, very well-established uh, rugby team.
2: Do you think it's a, like, i phrase it as a question. Do you think it's that they're all actually exceptional players that play together really, really well, and it's not actually the structure. They are actually unbelievably good players. They just look average because they're playing with unbelievably good players. Or do you think it is the structure? And if you put him into another team, you'd realise actually he's just average.
1: I think it's the structure because that's happened before. With mm. Sexton went to wrestling, didn't he? And did absolutely nothing. Um, you've had other players. I mean, there's are, there are exceptions. Someone like Ty Byrne, you could just ch- chuck him in anywhere and he'd be one of, if not the best player in the team. But I think there is a lot of the fact that they also play together every week, and it seems like the game plan is filtered through from the national team to all of the clubs, so they all play in not the same way, but in a similar way. So everyone knows what they're doing every single week. I think helps. Obviously, there's a few players, yeah, who would carve up in other teams, but I think as a general rule, no, I think it it's the structure. Mm.
0: Well, you, you yeah. So I think when when you're a coach, you you go right this is the structure I want to play. But if you haven't got certain players that can emphasise that structure, then you need to change your structure. But what it seems is, it seems like they've had this really good meeting of, uh, when I say meeting, I mean coming together of like, play ex- exceptional rugby players playing in a structure which uh, emphasises that their strengths. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know whether that comes from the structure first. to go, right, we want to play this type of game. They must, it must go hand in hand. They must go, right, these are the type of players we've got. So this structure would suit those players better. And thats I think that's probably, uh, it all adds up in the mixing pot, adds up to them being a, a, a well-drilled, a high-performance team.
2: I'll rephrase the question. If you put a bad player into that team, would you notice them?
0: Nah, don't think so. What One bad player?
2: Yeah, you just put a one bad player in the back line. Would you notice that they were a bad player? Depends how
1: bad. If you put me in, then yeah.
2: But. Because, because when I was watching South Africa, I thought Jesse Creel did not look anywhere near as good as the rest of the South African backs. He didn't no. have the step, he didn't have the speed, he didn't have the agility, he didn't have the aggression. And like Jesse Creel is like a good rugby player, like he he's playing for South Africa, but he didn't look like Damien Will- Like In open space, he doesn't look like Damien Williamson. In tight, narrow narrow channels, he does not look like Dierlande. When he's got time to pass, he does not anywhere, his pass is nowhere near as accurate or sharp as Lebok. So like all these other players just sort of show him up to be actually just a level below what the rest of them are. And I'm wondering like, for example, Henshaw, Henshaw would probably look top class playing inside center, but any other of the six nations teams, but he's on the bench for Ireland. And I thought to start with, I was thinking, oh, he's on the bench because he's being rested, but he's not, he's just not as good as Aki at the moment. So I think actually there are exceptionally good players. They're the top tier players. Mm. I think we're probably not giving them enough. I think we're probably not giving the players enough credit for actually how good they are. Mm. They're, and they're very lucky because they're also playing with exceptional players. But I think we're underestimating how good these are. These players actually are. These Irish players. Mac Hansen might look unbelievable for Scotland. He's just unlook. He's just not seen as as good because he's got Sexton. Possibly the best inside centre in the world at the moment, or the most for, the form inside centre. Ringrose on the outside is probably one of the form, if not one of the best outside centres in the world right now. You've got uh, fullback Keenan. I think he's top two fullbacks in the world. He's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like Jim, Like name a better. Only Dupont. You, I would say only Dupont is clearly better than Gibson Park at nine. So. Like, how good are these players?
1: Well, we'll see as the World Cup progresses how good they are because it looks like they're going to have New Zealand in the quarters, uh, which people are sleeping on New Zealand, so yeah, that would be an excellent game. But I'm just conscious of the time now. We've done Ireland, South Africa to death. We've got just a couple more things to go over. I think the rest of the games are the rest of the games. DePont DePont's injury, how how are we do we think he's going to be back for the quarters? Do we think if he isn't back, that means that France are done? Like, what do we think about this?
0: Well, I think there's talk about him having a mask made up, haven't they? So he, he can he can actually play. That's what I heard. So if DuPont I mean yeah.
1: the World Cup with a with like a Batman mask on, it's gonna be one of the most iconic. Forget Nelson Mandela, that's gonna be Unreal! If he does
0: that, that'd be amazing. Yeah, man, yeah, iconic yeah. image. Yeah, I mean, as well for the for the actual tournament itself as well. He needs to be playing. He's because he, he's just unbelievable as well. Like, but um, there was I heard a heard a a conspiracy that Razzy Rasmus had paid the captain of Namibia to to to, to, yeah. to break break the bomb.
1: <laughs> wonder how many farms Razi Erasmus has uh, bought diesel for doing in DuPont, knowing that they're going to get him in the quarter uh, hell. there's going to be a lot of hectares going going to the Daisel family in the next <laughs> couple of weeks, I think. A lot of hectares. Um, uh, but yeah, I, Tom, what do you think? I mean, you you think and maybe rightly so that DuPont is the best player to ever play the game. And I think the general consensus is, is that he is or he will be. But how do you how do you feel this is going to affect France if he can't
2: play? Um, if he can't play, it'll be harder for France. But <laughs> I think Lucy's is a great scrum half. I think is it Coe. I think that he's great. They've got Baptiste Serrano if they need to bring someone into the squad. Like they've got depth there.
1: So you think they're still in? They're still
2: they're still in contention. It's just not as strong. But yeah, yeah. they're definitely still able to beat anyone without him just with him you've got a much better chance okay I I mean let's
1: move on let's move on to a team that can't beat anyone at the minute and Tom's favourite bloke mate it's my tactics mate you don't think we can win the World Cup mate no Eddie and uh, looks like they're out Wales 40 40 yeah Australia six. How what's happened there?
0: I think it's so. the first, the first sort of 20 minutes, it was a good game. Like Australia were throwing the, everything at them. I think in the first like 10 minutes, there was some stupid stat like Wales had made 76 tackles to Australia's five. They were just going at them, going at them, going at them, going at them. I mean, that's got to be demoralizing. You're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at them and, and you're getting nowhere. But um, yeah, credit credit to Wales they they, they dogged it out. But um, yeah, what what I I, don't, I can't see Eddie Jones staying at Australia now, can you?
2: No. However, I do have. I could have defended Eddie Jones if he'd have picked Quade Cooper and Michael Cooper in the squad, because I think I think it's hard to like blame Eddie Jones for this alone because australia like i said before is they have no talent like i've when when the when eddie got signed for australia i was not worried about it whatsoever because he's got no talent to work with name like great australian players now their backline does not scare you whatsoever
1: they got skelton but that's about it
2: he was injured they got Tupou, that other freak he was injured in this game when you need the two games where you really needed them they both weren't there. So take two of your be- of your five best players out of the team, that's massive. Yeah. And then you're replacing them with who? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't see them as a talented team. And I didn't see how Eddie was going to be able to make them a talented team. So I, I'm thoroughly not surprised by this. But I don't think it's all Eddie. I think Eddie didn't help himself by not picking Quade Cooper and Michael Hooper because... Craig Cooper, I might not necessarily have started him, but I'd love to have that opportunity on the bench of any points in like mm. a fuck it moment. It doesn't really matter if we lose by 20 or lose by four. If we lose, we've done. Put Cooper on for the last 20 and just tell him, what can you do? Have a go. Mm. Can, can, you, can you swing it for us? Like, do we've got you, nothing to lose. Do you
1: think that Eddie Jones' hiring was more of a marketing thing rather than a rugby thing?
2: I think He's actually.
1: They've got, sorry, Todd, but they've got rugby union in Australia has been dying a a slow death. Rugby league is absolutely massive. The rugby league teams are basically poaching all the union players out of school, giving them contracts, promising them all this stuff, playing in the best league in the world. The Lions is coming up. The World Cup in Australia is coming up. They need something to reignite them was Eddie the man just from a marketing standpoint to get people talking about rugby again or do you think it was a rugby related decision
2: I think it was a rugby related decision because the best way to get marketing for Australian rugby is to win yeah like the best thing they could do is win this world cup and I think they probably made the calculation that we're not going to win it with Rennie and we're probably not going to do that well with him we might progress a little bit We've got this wild card which is eddie jones and it's worth the risk he might be able to just we'll just believe the rubbish and just risk it if you can get skeleton back into australia if you can get all the players back you can be this charismatic leader or whatever come up with some genius ploy set out psychological someone get gatlin pissed off so they fluff it i don't know i don't know what they were thinking exactly how he was going to do it but i think they thought He's more likely to do it than Rennie, and we really need a win. So we're going to go for it.
0: I think it was probably a, a no lose situation for the AOU because if he'd have come in and he'd have won it, then the AOU would have been like, oh, look at what we've done. But if he comes in and he's lost it like he has, they can just blame everything on him because he's a bit of a, an out there character. Do you know what I mean? So I think it was a, a, a no lose situation for the Australian Rugby Union. But I know there's, I know. I know the Australian Rugby Union has been struggling uh, purely because of the whole that the league is so popular there and the amount of money that they've got. They struggled to keep keep players in the competition because the, the domestic competition just isn't good enough at the moment in Australia. Uh, these players that are any decent players, they'll just go to France or they'll they'll you know Japan are giving really good contracts now to Australian players, mm. um, so it's, they're struggling to keep hold of these players. So um, it's 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 sad to see, but like at the end of the day australia have always been overachieving in the past the history that they've got in rugby rugby union is huge but they have no right to be that good they've had no right to be that good all this all these times because their pool of players is so small for what they've achieved in the past has been absolutely exceptional uh and now i just think it's because everyone else is is, is sort of catching up and there's more money and money talks you know there's more money in the other uh, the other big nations top, top tier nations you know
1: so if they, they haven't got the money to back it they aren't going to get the players, simple as that mm. I mean I wouldn't, if I was an 18 year old kid who could either go and play for the Reds in front of 500 people every week and have to travel to and from New Zealand and before it was South Africa and Argentina every month or I could play in Brisbane in front of sellout crowds and people who are absolutely mad for it and get probably get paid more Mm. you know, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it, really? Exactly. exactly. And uh, I can see how it's going. On the flip side, though, who saw this coming from from Wales? Gatlin is doing his thing again, and it mm. looks like Wales, well, Wales are the first team through to the quarterfinals. It looks like they're probably top of the group, which means they'll probably play Argentina or Japan, which gives Wales an amazing chance from being absolute dogshit for ages. The, the regions have just crumbling. Gatland tried all these new players and all of them were shite, so he just went back to the normal players that he liked. Wales are going to be potentially in another semi-final, Gatland's third semi-final, if mm. everything goes to plan. Because you'd fancy them to beat Argentina the way they've been playing recently. 100%. What's happening with Wales? Amazing. Dan Bigger. Well, Dan Bigger didn't do anything in this game because he went off straight away. And then... Gareth Anscombe comes on, yeah, yeah, and manages to manages to play seventy minutes without getting injured. Unbelievable. I think
2: it. I think it's. I think it's like it's that thing. It's there. It's the players that like they have a really high peak, and I think he he knows. Like, I think he t- picks his players on who has the highest peak, like talent or mm. ability. So like he. It might be that someone is more consistent over the season for the Scarlets, but they can never put in a performance like George North. Yeah. So he goes for George North. It's like Liam Williams might have only played four games over the last six months, but he knows that none of them can perform as well as Liam Williams can. Mm. So I'll go for Liam Williams and I'll just put all my eggs in that basket. Rather than... I think other coaches <laughs> are less likely to do that compared mm. to Gatland. I think Gatland has always been... Who's got the highest peak? I'm going to pick that player and I'm going to expect them to like perform and then he'll just do a camp or whatever to make sure they can do that. And I think also like from what from watching Wales, they're a bit like Ireland in the fact they've got no star performers. Well, I think the talent in Wales is less than the talent in Ireland. And mm. I think like they've been quite lucky with the group because so I think Australia have got no talent. Like, like coming to the World Cup not knowing who Australia's talent is going to be. And like Nick White has never really been a world-class nine he's a good man but he's a premiership nine he's not a world-class nine I doubt he would be in many other squads so they've it's got just... australia have got no stars that played against wales and wales have got players that have been stars so they've still got that like it's like the world cup it's just seven games if you get to the final if you only get to the quarterfinals it's just four games because mm. you don't have to play against the NAF nations so they have to peak three times and they've got three months to prepare for it, and I think that's like, I think that's probably what Gatlin understands better. He doesn't. I don't think he makes them a team as such. I think he's like treats them more like Olympic athletes. Usain Bolt trains all that time to win the hundred meters on this date at this time. I think Gatlin probably takes that attitude towards it, and then picks on which players have the peak, like, skill level and talent. That so Anscombe? I would never. I think picking Anson goes against all logic. He barely plays. He's always injured, but you just need him for seventy minutes to win your game against Australia. Mm-hmm. So he picks him, and he does well, that because Hanscom's talent is, is undoubtedly really, really high. But all the other stuff well, makes him bad.
1: Someone the, like the, Fala, someone like Falatow as well. Yeah, I've, he's been I've been, I've that. been I've been convinced that Falatow about four or five times. I've thought Falatow was just done. I thought was.
2: I thought and it was rubbish got, in the Six Nations.
1: Look at him now. He's playing. He's been. He's Toby Faletel again of uh, 10 years ago. He's unreal. Josh Adams, done absolutely nothing for ages. Look, he's been one of the four wingers of the World Cup. Also, probably uh, one of the hardest blokes you'll ever meet.
0: Uh,
1: one, I'd like to see a bar fight between Liam Williams and Josh Adams. Jesus. That'd, be, that'd be class. Those two are hard. As yeah, but
0: We're missing the main point here, though. The- we can't allow Wales to do well because they are the worst supporters in world rugby.
1: Like, <laughs> no, nah, the Saffers are mate. Sappers yeah. are way worse than the Welsh.
0: So I've I've got I've got a couple of guys here in Stavanger, Russ Watson and Richie Pittman. And if I can't, Wales need to go out soon because those guys are unbearable when when Wales win. And you 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 know it, Russ. You know it, Richie. You guys are just the worst winners. So the sooner they go out, the better, I think. <laughs>
1: well they might be in it for the long haul they might be in it for the long haul this uh, Gatland's just especially Eddie Gatland. Gatland is kind of what Eddie Jones thinks he is but there's um, just, there's
0: one thing I wanted to talk about because there's 44 managers out there in our in our fantasy league which have uh, is hotting up at the moment um, just a bit, a bit of an update on the on the fantasy if that's alright Jack
1: yeah yeah go for it yeah yeah, yeah. we're going to finish off with
0: that you can't do it you can't do it because obviously it'll be seen as bragging but in top spot, we've got Angus, who's had a really good week. Uh, closely Chicken. followed by h- yours truly, um, Jack Hobbs, sitting there pretty in number two. Uh, Alex and Ben, Ben Whitehouse in fourth, closely followed by myself. But there's about 100 points separating one. To, uh, forget about the top one, but two and seven, there's about 100 points in it. So it's looking very tasty at the top there with our fantasy.
1: There were some outrageous points this weekend outrageous points I uh, I would be flying high if I hadn't have taken a rundle out and put Malins in instead I was absolutely devastated about that Mm. absolutely devastated but no there were some ridiculous points I think Damian Peno. that must I don't know if there's anyone who's ever going to score that many fantasy points ever again you got well, lying. Alex,
0: Alex, who moved up to third, he had him as his triple captain, so he got four oh. hundred and ninety-two points for one player. Oh which, God. incidentally, four hundred and ninety-two points was in from one player in this round was more than Isaac at that point had scored in the whole competition, and that was from one player. So, Isaac, <laughs> but Isaac has come off the bottom. He's he's listened to it. Dennis, Dennis from SRK, is at the bottom, uh, for, closely followed by flying Celestian. Has he got in touch yet, that flying Celestian? He probably doesn't want to no, know anyone. No, he's he? hiding, I think. He's hiding. Because he's, he's been he's been 43rd. He's consistent, though. He's very consistent. He's been 43rd for the last three weeks. Uh, and then we've got Isaac, who's uh, moved up a couple of points now. But uh, yeah, it's all hotting up there. Everything to play
1: for, guys. Keep doing your awesome. fantasy. Right. So, apart from... Apart from the game in Netherlands, the big game this weekend, is there any Norwegian Rugby Cup action this weekend? Is it another round of of games?
0: No, the next 15s is in two weeks, Bergen-Sargenau.
1: Right, okay. Um, so there's no rugby, Norwegian rugby this weekend, apart from obviously the League Boys. There's that national camp in Oslo, mm-hmm. which um, can people come down and just watch that if they want to if they don't have anything to do on a Saturday or Sunday, they come over and just have a look or yeah, no one's going to stop them. <laughs> yeah. Go see what the elite of Norwegian sport looks like. You yep. see Adam, Adam being doing his vice captain stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, Eric's not there. So I might, I might actually. Be, oh, I might, so you Adam's doing up. captaining duties. <laughs> Bloody hell. Good luck, lads. Um, and then there, yeah, there's, there's, Some games this weekend, this weekend seems a bit of a, seems a bit of a lull. There's, there's not too many, there's not too many standouts. I think Japan Samoa, I know Tom's raging about, he doesn't want, yeah. Tom just wants eight teams in the World Cup and that's it. He doesn't want anyone else. We had a big uh, argument about why rugby should grow, but we can save that for another time. But yeah, we've got Japan Samoa, which I think should be a good game. Um, Two very very different teams: the physicality of Samoa and the kind of nippiness of Japan. But I think, no, I don't think there's any sort of really big games this weekend. Not between any tier ones, actually. So I think it'll be a good weekend for fantasy because there's a few mm. there's a few one sided games. So get your Scotland players in, get your Argentina players in, New Zealand. New Zealand. Italy.
0: New Zealand, that could be quite tasty because if if there's an upset there, Italy, Italy could knock out New Zealand.
1: (laughs) I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling. Everyone's been writing New Zealand off. New Zealand are going to absolutely spank Italy. (laughs) They're going to ruin them. And then uh, Australia, Portugal, Portugal are bloody good this World Cup. So maybe that will be a decent game. Maybe that will be a good game. Australia, Portugal. Let's see what Eddie does with that. But Yeah. yeah. I think um we've run over again as per usual. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Tom, for for joining me today. Thank you if you're still listening to this for putting up with us three again for another week. And we will see you next week. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. Remember as well, get your feedback
0: in, send us some stuff on Instagram if you want to talk us to talk about anything or we've got any comments. It'd be good to hear from you. But thanks. Till next time. Yeah, bye. Okay. <laughs>